live. We're live. Yes, we are. We are live. I'm Chris Gardner. We're talking. I'm talking sports with Andy Yanez of Apollo Media, Community Impact okay. Newspaper, formerly of the Daily Cougar, beat writer covering U of H men's basketball, U of H athletics. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, if you're going to tweet it out, go ahead and tweet it out. Uh, tag Mr. Robinson that I'm wearing one of his shirts for one sub- substantial worldwide here. Mm. Showing spread love. So, uh, so uh, we're going to talk some sports here. <laughs> waiting on Willie Gibson and Tamer Knight to join us. So I'm not sure how soon they'll join us, but that's okay. We're live streaming. And as I've said to Andy, as we've done, we're just going to roll with it, go with the flow. So <laughs> no problem with yeah. all that. So let's get into it. And here he is coming in late. See if he's he's uh, going to join us on time. Let's see. There he is right there, Mr. Willie Gibson, coming in late. So, you know, we can't, we can't <laughs> hear you, man. So, yeah, we, we don't hear you yet. We might have to. <clears throat> might have to reboot that thing and, and come back in. But, yeah. So, yeah. But, it will, like I said, this is live talking sports shit. No problem. We'll, we'll figure it out make it work. Andy. You were the well, Chris. You were the first person. Go, go ahead, go ahead. No, you show off the shirt so I can screenshot it. Okay. You got it. Is that good? Check. We good. We are good. All right. So yeah, that's I got that shirt from uh, U of H alum Ayla Robinson and his company, Substantial Worldwide. So let's try Will again here. Test, test, test. Will, how Check you doing, on. man? There we I'm go. I'm good, sir. Yes, sir. So you, you let the young, like Eddie sir? Yeah, you, you let the young man beat you to it. So you, you, you come in late, so we came to a mic check off air. So you're gonna do all that stuff, but that's all right, man. You just uh-huh. be ready to talk football in in a, in a few minutes, okay? Let's go. Oh, Will, he's calling you out. So hey, I'm ready. I'm he should. I'm that's what he said. So, but uh, let's get into it, Andy. You were the first person to, I think it was John Rothstein from CBS mm-hmm. Sports tweeted out that um, UCF, the, the Knights slash Golden Knights in the American, were his sleeper team in the conference. Right. For men's basketball, of course. Talk, talk about men's basketball. And what was your initial reaction to that, man? Sleeper. Sleeper. What does he mean by sleeper team? Is he talking about finishing fifth in the American Athletic Conference? I don't know. I don't know about that. Sleeping. And, I don't and, think UCF is going to be sleeping. <clears throat> And we really probably should, well, I mean, I don't know if you respond to, but reply to some of these tweets of, of Rothstein's because super behind who? U of H is one. Mm-hmm. Memphis. Okay, let's get right there. Who, who, out of, we got Memphis, Wichita State, SMU, UCF. How'd you rank those next four? And you got the good news for the conference with Tyson Etienne from... The Shockers, which I State coming back. Kendra Davis from SMU coming back. Both those, they pulled them out of the draft. So how'd you rank them? After U of H, of course. After U of H, I would say you'd probably have to put Memphis at two, just in terms of Penny Hardaway and the recruiting class he always brings in. I think you got to put Wichita State there at third, just like you mentioned, they're going to keep Tyson at the end, which is huge, not only for the Shockers, but for the conference, like you mentioned, Chris. I think those are clear-cut after what they did last season, those are your top three. Then after, I say you'd have to put SMU in four. Uh, obviously, they had what a 
their season was just ravaged by COVID and all the pauses that they, honestly they could never really get a season off. They could never get their season off the ground this past season uh, during the COVID year. And then I, UCF fifth, I think they're at the bottom. I mean, they got off to a good start. They had impressive wins to begin the 2020, 2021 season. And then it all just fell apart. And I mean, so they prove it. I don't think you can put them ahead of any of those teams. And I, I agree with you on that. I, you know me, we've talked about this. I am kind of curious to see which of the next way too early top 25 polls includes somebody else from the conference besides U of H. Mm-hmm. I've seen U of H ranked as high as I think 10th to low is 19th or so, you know, whatever. I mean, it's July yeah. 9th. I'm not really worried about that. Andy, side over to your right. Just a little bit, man. Obviously we get a profile of it. Side over. That's to your right, to your right. There we go. Yep. <clears throat> so for the conference sake, you know, I want to see Memphis, Wichita State, somebody else besides Houston in one of these top 25 polls because maybe that was not the case because of the uncertainty with regarding Tyson Etienne and Kendrick Davis. Maybe that's why they did it like that. I don't know. But mm-hmm. for the conference, for the American Athletic Conference to get more recognition, they need more teams in these polls. And we've talked, all three of us have talked about this already. I'm not big on preseason rankings. But they are good for conversation. They are good for getting an idea of where media thinks of its perceiving of a conference and teams in that conference. So for them not to have anybody besides Houston in the American in a top 25 shows me where media outlets are thinking of the conference as a whole, not thinking to change. Thoughts? Well, Chris, there's actually there was one preseason rankings. Uh, Andy Katz actually had three teams from the American Athletic Conference in his top 20. He had UH at 12, Memphis at 17, and Wichita State at at 20. When was that? That this week? That was yeah, that was yesterday. Uh, Okay, it actually got posted in the NCAA their official March Madness account. So he posted that. Um, So there's one one national head um, giving them giving the American Athletic Conference some love. But, yeah, I agree. And, man, uh, it kind of just goes to the point. I think those are clearly the three best teams in the American Athletic Conference based off what they did last season. And, I mean, everyone else is trying to catch up. And I don't – I think SMU has a chance to move up. But I think it's those three teams – well, actually, I think it's Houston, Separation, Memphis – Separation Wichita State and then way separation with everyone else based off what happened last season. I think SMU can climb up there, but they have to prove it. And same goes for Central Florida or UCF. If <laughs> if any yeah. UCF fans are watching, they'll probably get mad at me calling them Central Florida. But uh, I saw Andy Katz tweet, but what I saw was his top ten. So and I clicked on it. And it was just a video of him doing his top ten teams. So I didn't see the the rest of his. His what is he phrase? His top 36 power rankings. So mm-hmm. good that he has Memphis and Wichita State in the top 25. You know, Andy's rankings are a little bit different. But Will, you're a Big Ten guy. Mm-hmm. I got to get all of y'all's thoughts on this. Since July 7th was the deadline for players who had put the names in the NBA draft to withdraw and still have eligibility for college. 
man, Johnny, Johnny Juzang from UCLA. All these different young, young players mm -hmm. decided to go back to school. How many teams did y'all notice are now considered by someone a Final Four contender? Because I swear it's more than four. <laughs> I mean, it's like oh, eight, nine, yeah. ten teams are not Final Four contenders. Thoughts on that? Will, you go. Yeah, um, as you said, it's July 9th. And, you know, it gives us something to talk about. But like you, I'm not a fan of the preseason polls in any sport, you know, football, basketball, whomever. But, yeah, to to say it's the, you know, 10 teams that I have are final four ready, you know, and we, we don't know. It's, what, four months before the first game? And, yeah. yeah, four and a half months before the first game. A lot, a lot can change, even after – Players have withdrawn from the draft and decided to come back. You mentioned the Big Ten guy, Ohio State. Uh, Dwayne Washington decided to stay in the draft. And uh, they actually got a commit today from uh, Cedric Russell from Louisiana is uh, coming to Ohio State to fill that spot. And uh, there was a kid, Shackleford, I believe, from Alabama that uh, I think the uh, word kind of got out that it was between Russell and Shackleford, whoever signed first. Because Shackleford was in the, in the mix to come here as well as going back to Alabama. I think a couple of the schools are in the mix for him. And uh, Cedric, Cedric Russell uh, today decided to come to Ohio State. So, I mean, it's, it's way too early. So now his wife said a Big Ten or a, a Big Ten contender or a Final Four contender because Cedric Russell decided to come. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know. We'll see. Andy, what are, you, what are your thoughts on – Oops, the wrong thing there. She's not joining us just yet. But what are your thoughts on just everybody seems to be a Final Four contender today? <laughs> yeah, um, I think when it comes to UCLA specifically and, and Johnny G saying staying and coming back to UCLA, I think that's – I think you, you could put UCLA up there just based off what they did last season. I think that's a true – and I don't know why, my, why I'm sliding off from the camera a little bit – Um. I think they're a true Final Four contender, but like Willie said, I mean it's July. <laughs> everyone has a everyone anyone to have like a, a decent season last season feels like they could make a Final Four run. Um, you know, I'm actually surprised with the amount of going back to and I'm thinking back to Houston, but you mentioned none of these rankings have U of H past top ten for good reason with Quentin Grimes and a whole bunch of the seniors leaving, but I'm surprised no one's called them a final four contender. If all these teams are getting called final four contenders, what say you? And see, thank you for saying that because I didn't want to say it just yet, but Baylor won championship. Okay. They lost a lot too. Some mm -hmm. folks have Baylor ranked top 10 and ba Baylor coming back as a final four contender. The Zags yeah. at Gonzaga final four. Lost a lot. They're, they're still a Final Four contender. <laughs> well, U of H was in the Final Four. <laughs> they lost a lot. They got a lot coming back, but they're not considered a Final Four contender. So, uh, Baylor really lost a lot. You know, so what's the difference there? <laughs> I mean, yeah. but, you know, Will, Andy, and, and, and I are, are Houstonians. So, but you got to <laughs> add your national perspective, your Ohio perspective. It's what we just said right there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, somebody's SID is uh, very, very proactive. I'll, I'll say that. For, like you said, for, for Baylor to have lost what they did 
yes, they won the national championship. Jalen and, and, and Gonzaga, Jalen uh, Suggs, Suggs, top mm-hmm. five pick. Crispert mm-hmm. uh, is going to be a top half of the first round pick, top 15 pick, if not, you know, top 20 pick. And so is Chet Holmgren going to Gonzaga as a true freshman enough to, to, to catapult them and keep them in the Final Four conversation? I, I don't know. Didn't they have a transfer? They had a transfer as well. I mean, transferred. they lost some people. Coach Few and the staff, you know, he has got to replace one of his lead assistant coaches too. That, so, yeah. But they have, they have talent. Okay, all these teams have talented players who are replacing talented players. Right. Yeah. But let's not behave as if U of H didn't do the same thing. Okay, mm-hmm, sure. they've lost talented players, four starters, last three years. And each yeah. year they've gotten better. And this is early for take it for what it's worth. Okay. And we will discuss the playoffs and well, the finals in a, in a few moments. But I've heard great things about Josh, Josh Carlton, big man transfer, UConn. I've looked so far for U of A's in, in the practices and the workouts. I've heard great things about him. Um, new people fitting right in, doing a good job. And one thing surprisingly is Josh Carlton, you know, he's a legit big man, 16, 6, 11, to what, 60, 65? The rest of U of H is having problems getting the ball from him, from rebounding. They're having problems moving him. So that's one thing U of H struggled with, was big, bigger teams. Mm-hmm. And if he can help remedy that issue, that's one less thing to worry about. But I'll just say all this, it's July. I mean, if you're going to toss seven, July eight, nine, ten teams to be final four. They've tossed UCLA in it, the Zags in it, and Baylor in it. Well, there's one other team who was in the final four last year, too. <laughs> okay, so put them in there, too. I'm not just kind of Michigan or anybody else, but it seems like y'all just, Houston, we, can, we know they, they look bad in their loss to Baylor, but they were there. And but some are arguing they, they look better than Gonzaga did when they played. Yes, uh, you know, potentially Baylor. Houston has more talent, talent on this coming team, but it's unproven. And Coach Sampson and the coaches have to just put it all together and mesh it together. But it's just interesting how people are considering three of the four teams from the Final Four as contenders, but not that one team. Okay. All right, gentlemen. I'm going to go ahead and fall on my sword because I think I'm of the three of us, I have a different perspective on game two last night, Bucks Suns, than y'all do. Um, Bucks down, oh, two, Suns up 2 0. Let me just give, get it out the way first, give them the credit for being up 2 0 in the series, scoring 118 in both games, one and two. So they have carved up Milwaukee's vaunted defense. But this series is going to come down to CP, Devin Booker against Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. That's, that's, that's what it's going to come down to. Game two, CP and Booker deliver. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton didn't. You know, and my goodness, Drew Holiday took, missed, missed four, 14 shots. Mm-hmm. Seven of those 14 misses were layups. Okay, let me say that one more time. 
seven of his 14 misses were layups. Hmm. So that says to me a couple of things. One, he was able to break down the Sun defense to attempt a layup. Two, he just missed the layup. Those are layups. These are we're talking about NBA players here. He had seven layups and he missed them. And probably most of those seven were these ugly left-handed finger roll prayers he's trying to try that rolled off that he missed. I mean, come on, man. These are layups. He missed a six-foot turnarounder, eight-foot turnaround. So he, he was in the paint. That's nine of his 14 shots were in the paint that he missed. So he's got to be better. And Chris Middleton, I, I think I contacted both of y'all as soon as he did it. <laughs> Bucks within seven. Within seven. Mm-hmm. 76-69. Third quarter. He comes down. Chris Middleton comes down and takes this just ridiculous running three-point shot that was a brick. He gets up, complains, looking for a foul. He's begging for a foul call. Then the Suns go on a run. He had a chance to get the Bucks with closer than seven. Brick. That's an awful shot. Awful decision-making. Middleton, no free-throw attempts last night. He missed a 10-foot pull-up, a 1-foot runner, a 12-foot pull-up. His second quarter was awful. Just awful. Brick to three. Brick two more pull-ups from 17 to 15 feet. Another three. He missed three threes in the third in the second quarter. The Suns won the game in the second quarter. Outscored Milwaukee 30 to 16. To all, and I'm gonna give you a chance to talk. I got gets off my chest. It's gotta do it. Gotta get off my chest. It's therapeutic. Do you think? <laughs> the people talking about, well, you know. Phoenix made more threes in Milwaukee. Okay. Suns made eight threes in the first quarter. Eight. They scored 26 points. 24 came from threes. They trailed at the end of the first quarter, despite making eight threes. Second quarter, they outscored the Bucks 30-16. They made three threes in the second quarter. Second half, Suns made nine threes. Nine. The Bucks won the second half by one point. Giannis scored 20 in the third quarter. The Bucks won that quarter by a point. So don't just sit there and say, well, you know, the Suns made it. It comes out of three-point shooting. The one quarter the Suns won, they made less threes in the other quarter. <laughs> so it's look into the game. Look deeper into the game. And then come back to me with your perspective. That's me getting off my chest. Y'all can go ahead and shoot it down if you want to. Will, you first. No. I mean, yeah, we, you said we talked about it last night. I mean, you said teams win, teams lose. And, you know, for Giannis to do what he did, I mean, uh, we don't know what type of condition he's in. He's, what, a week and a half off a hyperextended knee. And for him to come out and drop 42 in the finals last night and for no one else to, to follow him, and you saw he he was imploring this team in timeouts, imploring mm-hmm. this team in timeouts. Let's go, let's go, let's go, and nobody came with him. And it's like you know what else can he do? I mean, it was almost as though you know I hate to bring him up, but it's the LeBroner. 
scenario. You know, LeBron earlier, you know, LeBron did what he did, and no one else came with him. It's like, what else can he do? And it's like Chris Middleton, come on, man. I mean, you, you got to come for what they gave up for Drew Holiday. You got to yeah. come. You got to come. And you know, Pat Connaughton. You know, Stephen A. said it last night post game. Pat Connaughton off the bench scored more than Chris Middleton did last night. Yep, that's crazy. That's crazy. Chris, and, you know, I know that was my guy. Then what's that? No, I'm just going to give this number. The combined numbers, you know, the, the backcourt duos, head-to-head. CP and Book, 22 for 45 from the floor. Middleton and Holiday, 12 for 37. CP and Book combined for 54 points. Holiday and Middleton, 28 points. That's 26-point difference. The Suns won by what? How many points? 13? 118, 105? There's a difference right there. Game two by 10. Yeah. That's there's the difference. They won game what game one, one eighteen, one oh five, and the game two went one eighteen, one oh eight. Yeah. It's coming down yeah. to the backcourts. Whichever backcourt wins, is probably gonna win the game and most likely the series. Giannis, superstars, and Andy, I want you to chime in on this. I'm gonna I mean, cut you off, but this is my take on this. Superstars are superstars for a reason. They perform generally game in, game out. They're like clockwork. You can count them to produce every game. Sometimes they have massive games. But they do not win by themselves. They do not pass the ball to themselves. They do not defend everybody on the floor. They do not rebound all the shots, missed shots by themselves. All those things. Teams win, teams lose. Down the stretch, Andy just wants you to chime in. Down the stretch, the Bucks played good defense. Got the Suns to miss a shot, but what happened? The Suns got the rebound. Second chance points. Yeah, Suns got the rebound, and then that dagger three-pointer. You got to seal the deal on defense. The Suns are doing all little things to win. The Bucks are doing all little things to lose, and that's why we're 2-0 Suns. Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I just wanted to point out, you mentioned that Chris Middleton didn't have any free throws in game two. He didn't have any free throws in game one. And he shot 18 threes just in this series alone. Zero free throws. I mean, what does that show right there? He's settling for shots. Now, I mean, he still had 29 points in game one. Missed 14 shots. I mean, I expect him to be better in game three and game four. That's what he's done his entire playoff run. Obviously, the home crowd in Milwaukee. But, Chris, it, it seemed like you... You were pushing against us. It, it looks like Phoenix. I'm not going to say because you kind of push back on this where it looks like Phoenix is kind of outmatching them. You, you're pushing back on that. But it looks like Phoenix has their number, at least in these two games. I mean, and it, going back to Drew Holiday, I want to point out something that, that Stat Muse, I think that's how you said it on Twitter, um, statmuse.com, um, pointed out last night after that game. He showed the playoff shooting splits between Eric Bledsoe, who played with the Bucks last year, and Drew Holiday. And he, he pointed out three different things. The field goal percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage. Those numbers look identical. Last year, both both of them are shooting 41% from the field. And actually, Eric Bledsoe shot better from the free throw line in the with Milwaukee in the playoffs. How much did the Bucks give up for Drew Holiday? And what, three first-rounders and a couple picks. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And gave him a big contract extension too. So he's got a lot of money yeah. <laughs> coming his yeah. way. One thirty-six. Yeah. 
And you know who else was available for the Bucks to take instead of a uh, Drew Holiday? Could have got called Oklahoma City and gotten the point guard for Phoenix had they mm-hmm. offered that package. I mean, it's it's interesting just from the production standpoint. Obviously, clearly the Phoenix Suns. I mean, DeAndre Ayton didn't have a, a monster game in Game Two, but the guy that stepped up for the Suns was, was uh, Michael Bridges. But I mean. From a standpoint, like you mentioned, that backcourt's been the difference. Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they've shown out for these two games. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, they're trying to find their way in this series. And I don't know. If you have a 42-point game from Giannis, that's a monster game. And they still lose by double digits. I don't know how much Milwaukee can do. I mean, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday can step up. I expect them to win game three. But... I don't think they have enough to be Phoenix. You have, you have doubts. You, you, yeah. You have doubts. yeah. And, I don't and, think it's and, and rightly so. You know, the Bucks are just so wishy-washy. And Middleton and Holiday, two Olympians. <laughs> two Olympians yeah. in USA. Yeah. Against <laughs> one for, and, and Devin Booker for, for Phoenix. We're seeing Drew Holiday, he's so much better on defense than he is, he is on offense. He's just too inconsistent on offense. His defense, a key in the in the first two games was summarized. He made a great defensive block on Devin Booker in mm-hmm. transition. Great. The only other Buck player on the floor in, after that block in on that half of the court was Bryn Forbes. Phoenix had, I think, four players, four Suns players across half court. The other three bucks were down on the other end of the floor. Little things. Little things like that. That's why Phoenix is up 2-0 and why the Bucks are down 0-2. The Bucks started out well in the first quarter. Mr. Tucker had seven points, I think, in the first quarter. He, yeah. had, he scored in the paint. You know, didn't settle for threes. And then Drew Holiday. Brick, brick, brick. Son started making those threes. Brick, brick, brick. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, brick, brick, brick. And then that second quarter, the Bucks went six for 25. Six for 25. And, okay, I forgot about this. Drew picked up his second foul. <laughs> in this, roughly five minutes left in the second quarter. Coach Bud sat him down. No, I just, I just I hated that at the time. The game was tied at 41. In a matter of two minutes and some change, Phoenix went on a 7-0 run. He put Bud put Drew back in the game. Rhythm was all messed up after that point. So I think it ended up, after being tied at 41, the Bucks scored four points those last five-plus minutes. Phoenix scored, I think, 15. 15 to 40, close up, close up the half. That's the ballgame right there. That that was that was it right there, Coach Bud. You gotta have a feel for your team and for the game. His I was on his second foul. Why do that? Yeah, yeah. His offense, you know, he was he had missed a lot of layups, all that kind of stuff. This is the finals, man. Don't take out a, your best defensive player because he got two fouls. Come on, can, can I speak to Bud? Can I speak to about Bud too? Because I, I was yes. other. I was of a, of a mindset. Once he got past Brooklyn, that was his, you know, God. If he got to the finals, he's he's there. There's no way they can't they can't fire him. Now nah, they got to keep him. 
But I don't know if you guys did you see when they wired it, they had to wire it up? And he said, and he said it's ramble. Like, yeah, play smart, play hard, play random. Like, what is play random? What what are you <laughs> what are you talking about? Play random. And then conversely, they showed Monty Williams, leader, talking to yeah. Aiden. Number one, you feel like the, look at me. And he commands respect. He didn't say it disrespectfully. Yep. He looked and immediately Aiden looked up. And he encouraged him. He like, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Play, what is play random? What, in the finals. <laughs> right. In the finals. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I thought he I thought he did enough to keep his job. But now I'm like, after that, I wouldn't be mad. I'll say that. I don't advocate anybody losing their job, but I won't be upset. If if the Bucks get swept, would you fire Bud? I have some conversations. Andy? You got to at least consider it. I mean, right now they look mismatched. And if it doesn't get any better, especially if they lose the way they've done the first two games, I mean, I think this is the ceiling for that Bucks team. I don't think you can go past this. I mean, this is the best year. And if you go out like that, you got to make changes. Okay. If 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 they fire Bud, what coach is out there that could get them over the hump to win the chip? That reminds my first thought. Um, <laughs> Mark Jackson? No. Um, that that ain't happening. You know. That, that's I, know I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. For I know. I know. Um, oh, man, it's a great question. You got a you got a great answer. I do. Well, Give me a second. Um, okay. I was gonna say, you know who they're gonna, you know who they're gonna end up considering. They'd end up having to consider between Mike D'Antoni, uh, the same candidates that have been running around. <laughs> um, you know, this it's interesting. What if they bring in bring in Becky Hammond and bring that Spurs culture to the books? Mm. Well, but but it's part mm. of that Spurs culture. Yeah, yeah but. But he's so far removed from it. I, I, the Bucks, that'd be a that'd be a bold move because Becky Hammond does not have head coaching experience. You know, getting a team to the finals and winning experience, and I think a lot of folks would 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 demand that. But I'm kind of I don't you know I wonder what they would do. So. I mean, the next one with Steve Nash, so. Got a question from uh, Jerry Woodley, the fifth with Wildcat. Did Orlando change coaches when they lost to Houston? That's a good question. That's going back in time right there. Did they? That's a great question. I don't believe they did. Not immediately. I don't believe they did. I don't think so. Let's look. And, uh, you know, and and their situation then was a little different because – they were up and coming, young, thought they had a bright future and, you know, and all, all those things. So that's a good question. Let's, let's shift gears and what we think about that. Let's talk Even about then, the Rockets. Go ahead, Andy. I was just going to say, it would be different. Like you mentioned, they had to be the Michael Jordan Bulls on the way to the finals. I mean, this Bucks team, they've caught a lot of breaks. They beat the Nets, but they weren't healthy. And next season... I mean, it's hard to predict, but this might be their best window, at least in the near future. So, no, Brian Hill lasted with the Orlando's nope. head coach 
through 2007. So Rockets Orlando was what? Oh, four Oh five. So no, they did not. So, well, no, it was 94. It was 94. He came back. Oh yeah. He came back. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking Pistons. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. But even the first time he he stayed for like a season and a half, almost. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he, he didn't get let go to 97, 97 with, with Orlando. So he was there through, through that, through the Rockets winning in 94, 95. You're correct. Thank you for that, for checking me on that. Will. So, yeah. Um, so, so no, so this would be different. But okay, is it? Uh, can I can I say something sweet? else before? Sure. Before we get just, uh, we keep thinking about let's keep thinking about Drew Holiday, and I know they traded Bledsoe for him, but you go back before last offseason, they let Malcolm Brogdon go to Indiana for eighty-five mm-hmm. million, and you brought Drew Holiday in for well, one thirty-six. And I hate. I'm never. Young man, get your money. I'm never right. going to tell somebody not to sign the deal. Never going to tell somebody not to get your money. But you look at it now, it's like Malcolm Brogdon, well, what was the problem? They what went the cheap. Problem? They went cheap and let him go, mm-hmm. and they paid for it ever since. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. you know, they've tried to replace him numerous times. And they, they could use him. <clears throat> they could use what he brings sure. to the table, you know, so – but what's done is done. We're less. We're about what 20, 20 days from the two thousand twenty one NBA draft. The Pistons still are on, are on the clock with the number one pick. Rockets have the second pick, and the twenty third and twenty fourth pick. Zach Harper from the Athletic and different folks, you know, across the NBA landscape, media landscape, are discussing reporting that Detroit is listing two offers. For, you know, trade proposals and, and the Rockets are looking at entertaining offers and all these things. And okay, that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, <laughs> that's what teams, are, that's what Troy Weaver, GM of the Detroit, is supposed to do. And Andy, I, I've mentioned this to you. And that's, I don't know if you had a chance to see my appearance on the lunch break yesterday, but I mentioned it to Will. Mm-hmm. This is what, and this is what I would, if, if I was GM of Detroit. Okay, Rockets. Yeah. Y'all want Cade? Okay. We can swap the one and the two. I want your 23rd pick, your 24th pick, and a future first round pick. <laughs> How about that? Y'all don't like that? How about that? Mm. The, the if Rockets, the Rockets not, really the Rockets think do. that Cade Cunningham can be that level of a player? Then if they really think so, but I'm I don't think they they do. And if if they were to make that trade, they'd be instantly scrutinized. And the pressure on Kate Cunningham to be uh, not just an all star level, but to be an all time great would be put on him the moment he got here. And I don't think Houston. Okay, but what if do I, that what if I sure. say, what if I say this? The Rockets, the Pistons own owe the Rockets a pick. So what if they just mm-hmm. say, instead of giving us that pick, you can just keep you keep it. How about that? It's protected. It's, it's early as 2022. So what if they say, okay, y'all just keep that pick. So it's, it's swapping one, two, 23 and 24, this draft, and you just get to keep your pick. 
from next year's draft. Do the, do the Rockets have their own number one next year? Oh, yeah, I think the Rockets, Rockets are doing great. So, yeah, you know, they still got, I think, mm, let's see. They got three future first-round picks, Detroit, 22, protected, Milwaukee, 23, unprotected, Wizards, 23, unprotected. They don't owe a pick until 24 to the Thunder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what say y'all? Two, 23, well, 24 hmm. for number one. What would that Detroit Pistons pick? Nope. What protection? What protection is it? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Yes, it's it's not a it's not a lot. I think it's it's uh, based on lottery. Ooh, you know, I think you know if it's top fourteen, if the Pistons miss the playoffs, they keep it, and then it goes. You know, protections change. As it go further, further away. Hmm. If they really think Cade's that guy, that's more. That's more intriguing. If you still have your number one pick, and I don't know, three for one. That that's a pretty. That's a pretty. It's hard to sell on. Right. But if you think he's that, and I'm talking generational talent, like. He has to be up there with right now, like Jason Tatum, that level. Then I can justify it. But if you don't think he can be at the level, I mean, or if you're confident that Jalen Green or Evan Mobley or whoever is available could reach that potential, then I mean, there's no need for it. But if you think that the gap between those players and Kate Cunningham is that big, then I, you do it. And see, that's where. Uh, Zach Harper from The Athletic is reporting that the Rockets are not willing to, as of right now, match Detroit's trade offer. So, so that's that's why that's why I'm tossing it out there. I don't know what Detroit's looking for, but if I'm Detroit Weaver, that's what I'm asking for. So, like I said, if you how yeah. bad do you want <laughs> Kate Cunningham? So show me. This is what if you want it so badly. This is what I want to return. And, you know, the Pistons pick, it is the Pistons pick. So it's just a question of the future pick. It just be Detroit just keeps it. So it's not like it's mm. coming from the Rockets. It's just the Pistons get to keep it. So it's just it's the swap at one and two, then 23 and 24. Will? You don't you you're shaking a lot, man. You don't Absolutely like it. Absolutely not. You said no instantly. <laughs> Why not? From from whose perspective? From Houston's perspective. There's okay. no way. Why? You're not Kate Cunningham away from contending. You you have clearly you are in a rebuild mode and you have many, many, many holes to fill on this roster. So you have three opportunities to do that in the first round. You're giving two of them up to move up one spot. Well, granted, Cade Cunningham's a, a great talent. Don't get me wrong, but, but is Jalen Green not? What's the what's the di- do we? Uh... Yeah, we lost. Yeah. Him. yeah. Um... No, but he he was making the the great point. I mean. That, that's basically what it comes down to. If you don't think Jalen Green or Evan Mobley or anyone else, Jalen Suggs, 
who you could take with that second pick will reach that level. And another thing, was that the same article where they mentioned that they might be more interested in trading for someone already established, a younger star that's already established? Right. Okay. Which would, well, who, 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 who in the market mean? would be available? Right. Okay. Got somebody in the studio. She needs to raise up her, her camera because all we see is her hair. <laughs> so uh, I hope she can hear me before I bring her on. We just see your hands now. Okay. All right. Let's see. There we go. Oh. Hello, everyone. Tamer Hello. Knight from, let's see, from the Night Agenda, from... Uh, Paul Sama Jamma. Paul Sama Jamma. <laughs> Soon to be going to Connecticut <laughs> for working on, working with, what is it? You tell us, okay. Miss Knight. How are you and who are you? I'm Tamer Knight. I am a sports supporter based in Houston, Texas. Um... I was trying to keep it a secret, but <laughs> there's no secrets here. I will be going to Connecticut uh, shortly to work with NBC in the coverage of the uh, 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. So wow. our role there is going to be a production editor. So we'll see how that goes. Are you, you already mentioned that uh, when you were a guest on, on KYK. Yeah, because you mentioned it first, so I was like, okay, well, there it is. <laughs> oh, my, my fault. Well, okay. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Congra my congratulations, Minty. I'm sorry to, uh, you know, do that to you, put you on a spot like that, but you know I do that done it to you for a long time. So, <laughs> you know, so. Okay. Um, did you watch the game, too, last night? Of course I did. Just to come talk here. Who do you guys who are you guys picking to win the series? Okay, no, no. Let me ask you, is the series over? <laughs> no. I no. think Milwaukee has a chance to maybe win one or two, but I think the Suns are gonna take the whole series. What about y'all? No, I take the Suns. <laughs> Go ahead, Will, you first. Yeah, I, I, t I picked the Suns um, for petty off-the-court reasons. I want the Suns to win in seven, and I'll tell you why. Maria Taylor's contract with ESPN ends July 20th. Game seven is scheduled for July 22nd. So I'd like to see <laughs> yeah. what would happen. So for petty off-court reasons, I, I want Suns in seven. But if I'm strictly <laughs> keeping them on the court um, – I think the I think Milwaukee has to win Game Three, or it's it's, it's a strong possibility it's unsweet, or at worst, or best rather for the Suns, Suns and Five. Andy, Chris, I was kind of sold on this yesterday. You were kind of trying to talk me out of the lead. From what I've seen, the first two games, I think Suns got it in five. I think Milwaukee will come out, will come out strong and win Game Three. I'm not sure they'll have an answer. I think Phoenix just, they have an answer for everything the Bucks do. And flat out, they're just playing better right now. And one thing I, I wanted to mention before, it's something that could play a factor. I know Dario Sarge, he's out for the rest of the series. He tore his ACL. Torrey Craig didn't suffer any structural damage, but, you know, he'll be iffy for the rest of the series. That could play a factor for them. And, I mean, they're losing role players, but if the rotation gets shortened and the series extends, then the Bucks get another advantage. So, but I don't know. Just from what I've seen, I'm leaning towards Suns and five. And, and see the injuries. You bring that up 
It could be a factor, but it will only be a factor if Coach Bud makes it a factor. If he decides mm-hmm. to do something, you know, maximize his team's advantages. And so far, he hasn't done that. And Bobby Portis has limitations. Okay. But it seems like Coach Bud just won't allow him to make any mistakes. He can at least give you some rebounding, some hustle, some energy, and some points. Now, his defense does it. He, he can snooze. Okay. But we all see that. But sometimes you need just a guy to give you some fouls, give you a garbage bucket here and there, disrupt mm-hmm. the other team's rhythm, something. Yeah, you know, but Bud just being coach booting holes, that's what he is. And that's what he, you know, I mean, I am Eastern Conference, Central Division, ride or die since I was 14 years old, became a Pistons fan. So from a fandom part, I want, I picked the Bucks to win. From a logical standpoint, <laughs> the Suns are going to win this series because they got a better coach. They're playing better as a team. And all these things are in their favor. And they got home court advantage too. So and that's another thing. Yeah. I mean, Chris Paul turned the ball over six times in game two last night. And they still is that going to happen again? Exactly. Is that going to happen again? That's not going to happen again. People have and six turnovers. Not only, series. yeah. Not only did the Bucks lose, they lost by ten. And like DeAndre Ayton didn't have a good game. That's why. And Giannis had a monster game. I mean, everything's against them now. Granted, it looked like that when they lost to Brooklyn in that game too. Right. And they turned it around and somehow <laughs> came back to win it. Now, obviously, injuries played a factor in that. If they have a healthy Nets team, who knows how that series ends up. And that's why I mentioned that that's the potential that Torrey Craig and, and the Dario Sarge injuries could play a role. But I don't know. I think the books are on life support right now, and it's going to take one heck of an effort. They're going to need their big three. They're going to need Giannis to average 30 for the rest of the series, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday to average around 40, 50 combined for the rest of the season well, uh, series. Yeah, Giannis, Giannis definitely can't do it alone. And mm-hmm. after watching last night's game, I mean, somebody has to pick up the slack when, you know, Tucker's mm-hmm. not, not having a good game and Drew Holiday's not having a good game. But again, I think if the Bucks allow the Suns to keep getting this big lead every game over them, they're never going to be able to come back. I mean, we saw Chris Paul. Yeah. In the last two games, he just kept dropping threes back to back to back. And he has a, he has a booker around him. So it's just like if they allow them to keep getting this 10, 15, 20-point lead uh, every game, it's going to be hard for them to come back every time. The Bucks, they cannot – the Suns have not lost a double-digit lead these playoffs. So the Bucks cannot allow themselves to get down by double digits. That means stop taking stupid threes. That means stop turning the ball over. Stop making dumb passes. Little things. Little things. That second quarter, box out. That second quarter (laughs) last night doomed them. Doomed them. And they started off winning uh, the game in the very beginning. They were winning at the start of the uh, Right. 
water. Yeah, it's kind of strong. I thought once the sun starts to pull away, it's like they could never get that lead back. And it's just like it's going to keep happening that way. And I agree, Chris. They have to stop making little small. It's like you have to pay attention to details because they have too much. The Suns have too much ammo around them for little mistakes. Even if Chris Paul has six turnovers, that doesn't mean he's not going to go two for two at the three-point line um, in, a fa in fast plays. So. And, and think about this. Giannis, for Giannis, shot well from the line last night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was 11 for 18. So that's above 50%. And they still lost. By yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, so, it, took, it took that performance just to keep the Bucks within striking distance. Yes. Just to have a, a outside shot. And, and all that we, we, we're saying all this, it, it's going to come down to Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. That, that's what it's going to come down to. If they continue to stink, their series will be open four or five. Period. Giannis can't score 80 in, in, you know, <laughs> per game. He's going to need help from, from them. The Bucks' great start in the first quarter in yeah. game two was doomed because Drew Holiday kept missing layups. He kept, he kept brick. They had a lead. Then he missed a shot. Then another. Then the Suns started making threes. They started inching back in. Drew and Chris Middleton killed the momentum in that first quarter. Yeah. They had to go to run in the last minute in the first quarter to regain the lead. It's on those two. They're, they're getting paid quite well. And I don't, it's not about money. But if, you, if you're part of the big three, you got to play like it. And then, and then look at – I got to go back at Bud, too, because why not put Lopez on the block and get eight in foul trouble? Who's in his backup? That makes too much sense. Exactly. <laughs> That's why. That's why. It's coaching. It's like, come on. You get, you get DeAndre Aiden out of there. Who's his backup? Sarge, Sarge out. Right. Frank Kaminsky. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think I would take my chances with Frank Kaminsky. Oh, without if question. If he's in the game. You know. Without question. So. I think Bridges and uh, Cameron is it Cameron Johnson? Yeah, Cam Johnson campaign. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think they need some kind of some some recognition as well because yeah, Booker and Aiton and uh, Paul has been doing it, but even when Paul was out, I think Cameron Payne has really stepped up, and so Bridges had a really good night. I think he was able to step up last night when Aiton wasn't doing well. Um, we we seen him, we see and we seen him and. Uh, Payne just stepping in and picking up where, you know, Aiton or Paul or Booker kind of fell off at, at some point. And, and see, that that goes back to what I, I say. Teams win. Teams win, mm -hmm. teams lose. The Bucks are Brent Forbes is being outplayed by campaign. Mm -hmm. Okay? <laughs> that that can't happen if you're going to win. Yeah. You know, they but went to Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague has struggled. Jeff Teague, I mean, there's a reason why the Bucks down 0-2. And there's a reason why the Suns are up 2-0. Yeah. Their role players are stepping up and delivering. Yeah. Let's see what they do in game three on the road. You know, I just add this before we move on. Because nobody wants to debate with me on Twitter, but I want to know – how do you guys feel, uh, Mr. Gibson? I, I'm not sure if you're here in Houston with us, but I, I, I'm standing on this point strongly. Everybody that the Rockets have traded was in the NBA Finals this year. I mean, we have Harden, we have Paul, Clint Capella, 
PJ Tucker. They all were in the finals in the rock in, in the playoffs. Yeah, and they all have gotten rid of them. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. to me, that says something. I and it's not anything positive from my point of view because I think the Rockets lacks a, a lack of amount of patience to kind of build around those players. And they were very impatient, especially with Capella. He had one bad season, and they just get rid of the guy. And now look at him with the Hawks. I don't know why they gave away P.J. Tucker, but, I mean, Harden wanted out. They couldn't fight that any longer. But to me, that speaks volume about the Rockets organization. You know, ahead, Will. I think – No, no, go ahead, Will, because you're from Ohio, mm-hmm. so you got a nice perspective. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean – you're right. You know, for them to uh, it's something to that organization that you have. Will you know, well, adjust your camera, man, because right now we don't we don't see you. We, <laughs> we see, see you. We see your head. name. So, yeah, oh so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so yeah, there we go. Next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> they don't. I mean, PJ Tucker. If I'm not mistaken, last year was deal, right? Right. So, he wanted. He wanted he a chance wanted to win a championship. Right. Yeah. So I, I give him that. Um, you know, Chris Paul, Harden, I think they let Harden run him out. You know, Chris Paul was fine. Chris Paul, I mean, he yeah. got hurt up 3-2, but Chris Paul didn't miss 27 straight threes against the Warriors in Game 7. Exactly. Um, you know, that wasn't him. You know, so, you know, and, and, and then Morey, who did all of this, decided to retire and spend time with his kids for about six days before he went <laughs> to Philadelphia uh, with Doc Rivers. <laughs> I mean, so... You know, I think they decided just to rebuild. Uh, for Tita decided he didn't want he didn't want to spend the money to finish. You know, in the in the Western Conference semifinals year after year after year. But and, and they had the talent. You know, the the coaching, the GM. I don't I don't know what they said. The impatience was probably the reason why they they couldn't you know put it all together because the talent was the Dwight Howard. I'll put Dwight Howard. In that mix as well, you know, James Harden ran him off too, common denominator with that. But um, it's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting that around James Harden, and now they're without all of them and James Harden. Right, right. Well, I mean, they gave James Harden everything he wanted. You know, Dan Tony's philosophy and all those things, and it it did not never championship. And now they're starting over Mm -hmm. with whole different (laughs) GM, coach, and roster. So. Tamer, if you don't mind, you're the the female representative of the panel. <laughs> I was and, and you're and you're a woman of color. All of us are people of color. But as a sister of color, do you have any thoughts about the Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor mm-hmm. saga, drama, situation, whatever? I'm not surprised. Um let me choose my words wisely. Wisely, uh, I'm not surprised, not even a little bit. Um, but I like the way that Maria Taylor has handled it. Um, she's went about the situation with such a with such class, and she didn't say much about it. Uh, she just kind of showed who she do it for, and that's for other women just like her, like me, and for that matter. Um, I think it was a very powerful move by ESPN to replace Rachel Nichols with Malika Andrews. I'm happy for her. And she's also another woman of color. So I'm not sure what ESPN is trying to 
where they're trying to go with this organization. But like Mr. Gibson said, it will be a shame come July 20th to see them let Maria Taylor go, despite all the controversy. And I think they are not going to let her go because, I mean, she's good at what she's do- she does. And if no, I feel like they get some of their views, for, especially after this incident, it's, it's mainly because of her. People who don't watch sports, who are not into sports, they got to see this whole thing unfold on social media. And I think they're rooting for her. And she has a support system, including, you know, people within ESPN. I know Jalen and Stephen A. Smith, they all, they kind of side with her. And, I mean, I really don't know what to say. I I just want to see what they do moving forward. Um, Was Malika Andrews just temporary? Is Rachel Nichols going to come back next season for the finals? I just want to see it all unfold. I'm not sure. I mean, like I said, I like the way she handled it with class. She didn't say much, but what she said was very powerful. And I'm not surprised. I I don't think, and Andy, you're a person of color, different color than us, but let me ask you, Mm -hmm. in your brief time in media as a journalist, have you experienced people doubting you because of how you look? Hmm. Uh, I would say personally, no. And I've been in the interesting position and I'd say I've been in a lucky position where I mean, when it comes to U of H and the people that cover U of H, it's pretty you know, diverse with the, I mean, Chris, you and I are always covering Tamer. You've covered uh, the UH hoop scene. We got Dayon Dunlap, Joseph Duarte and, and all these guys. I've been lucky to be in that environment where I haven't had to experience anything like that. And I'm, I'm lucky and blessed to, to have that experience. But like Tamer said, it's not surprising. And, and I think what, what should be more concerning a couple of things we, we brought up. First of all, this happened last year in the bubble. Right. And it, it took an entire, almost the entire year for anything to come out. And I mean, I'm sure ESPN knew about it and they didn't do anything until it came out publicly. So that's iffy. And then you have a couple of ex you know, reporters that work for ESPN. I know Kari Champion is one of them who's brought up, you know, this is, it's more about the culture at ESPN. There's a problem with the culture at ESPN, which I mean, especially with what happened last summer, it's kind of, disappointing to see how it unfolded and yes it's first of all damage control might not be the right word but I think they did what they should have done in terms of removing Rachel Nichols and having her not be a part of the the finals coverage but it's kind of like like many people mentioned it's it's kind of it doesn't mean much when you're kind of being reactive and it, it comes out as if ESPN was saying yeah, we're sorry this came out publicly because we didn't do anything about it until it it, it was made a scandal. Right. And that's that's my one of, one of my biggest issues with all of this. It took a year to do something. They mm-hmm. should have handled this in-house when it first happened last year. And 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 I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm not sure if this is true, but the young lady who reportedly recorded the phone call or the or, or made the video I'm not sure this is true, but it, it was said on social media. I did see that when she was caught recording and uh, sent the recording to Maria Taylor, they fired her. 
Right. She was so, fired. To me, to me, that's a act of it's tasteless. It's 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 inhumane. And like I said, I'm just anxious to see what they do once July 20th comes around and Maria Taylor's contract is ending. It will be interesting to see if one they will offer her the money that she asked for in spite of everything that's been going on. Of two, they'll let her go. Or even three, she just doesn't want to work with them anymore. Chris, one more thing I, I wanted to bring up, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I think before, like earlier in the week before this, the Rachel Nichols thing broke out, there were reports. I think the New York Post talked about Maria Taylor and what ESPN, like their contract negotiations. That was made public. I think, you know, they mentioned she turned down like three, four, five million dollars um, or that she wanted Stephen A. Smith money. Right. That's um, yeah. I think that's eight million or something. Yeah, Stephen, Stephen yeah. A. gets about eight million. The New York Post report, I think, said ESPN offered offered her five million per, uh, and she turned that down. But that, if I remember right, in the article, those discussions were old. You mm-hmm. know, that offer was made to her like a while ago, and she turned it down. So I don't know when that offer was made. You know, if it's three, four months old, or two months old, one month old, and if they are still negotiating and trying to, you know, continue and to reach. Her demands, but will I like your petty your pick because of pettiness? So July twentieth, I'm kind of curious what the, what will happen. I think it, it would be it would behoove ESPN to get this handled before July twentieth. Oh, without question. You know, um, but they hell they dragged their feet for a whole year. Now, so, what I have heard, um, she's in talks with NBC. Mm-hmm. As well, and so that would be interesting. But okay, and to do what? Football? A little bit question. Hockey? Hockey? They have? They have? <laughs> no, they don't have hockey anymore. Right? Yeah, hockey. Oh, hockey, that's right. Hockey, hockey went to yeah. ESPN. That's a different ESPN. Hockey. ESPN. You know, yeah. They're, well, they're football. That's it. And, right. and so Maria Taylor's. This. I mean, come on. She's a. African-American female in a male-dominated profession. I'm sure this isn't her first experience with such of a experience. You know what I mean? Like, while it may not have always been public, I'm sure she's kind of dealt with these situations in the past, um, whether it was when she was in college or just beginning. It's just this was just so happens to be with the larger organization. And uh, Carrie Champion is actually going to be doing some work with uh, NBC covering the Olympics. So, I mean, there's options for Maria Taylor definitely with NBC. So, who knows? Oh, Maria, she, she's going to be fine. She's going to land on her feet because she's talented. Yeah. You know, she's going to be fine. But with NBC, they got football, the NFL, mm-hmm. Notre, Dame Notre, Notre Dame football. They lost hockey. They do have. They have horseback riding, uh, Premier League, Premier, you know, Premier League soccer. soccer, things like that. So they have some, and of course, the Olympics, but the Olympics, that's every four years. Yeah. So in terms of maintaining the exposure, you know, in front of the camera, is NBC, would NBC be a, a great spot for her because of fewer sports? You know, I mean, that's her Not choice. Only- you know, not only fewer sports, but I mean, the opportunity to be on, you know, flagship shows like right now when she covers the NBA pregame, like you said, she's getting a lot more exposure. So a lot of factors are going to 
come into whatever decision she she ends up making. I think, um, obviously, I don't know if Turner's reported, but or if it's been reported, what if she goes to Turner at TNT? You know, there's a lot of basketball there, and was it Turner Turner Sports? I mean, that's pro and college with the tournament, NCAA tournament, men's tournament, or CBS. Um, you know, <laughs> CBS. CBS is losing the SEC to ESPN. <laughs> so uh, she can cover American athletic, American like athletic said, games. She has to decide what she wants to do. She's going to be fine. Yeah, I, I trust that she's going to get paid. It's just a question of where, where, um, because as much as the landscape is changing into streaming. It's not as big a platform yet. So I'm kind of curious to see what she she's gonna do because if she does, if it's, she does stay at ESPN, will she get her get hey. a show like Stephen A. Smith? You know, a Maria Taylor show. Yeah. You know, Stephen A has his own ESPN plus show. So will she get something like that? So I'm kind of curious. We got 11 days to see. Go ahead, Tamer. If if ESPN is smart and if they do really value her work ethic and her as a person and her talent, I think they will give her the money she's asking for and they'll do the right thing and allow her to do what she does best, which is talk sports and cover basketball. That's if they do the right thing. I mean, that's what we all want, but will they do it? We'll just have to wait and see. Well, I mean, she 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 went to Georgia. She's a Georgia alum. Played volleyball at Georgia. She started out doing, I think, college football sideline reporting and all those. And I want to say this: Holly Rowe has Maria's back. Has her okay? back. Has her back. And for folks who don't know, Holly and Maria were, were roommates on the road during a lot of ESPN work. So they have spent a lot of time together. I think they share an apartment in New York currently. Exactly. I think so. So, yeah. So, if people were wondering, well, what does Holly Rowe have her back? Blah, 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 blah. Holly Rowe ain't one of us. I ain't, you know, one of them. Okay. Well, if you don't know, Not you either. need to look at Holly Rowe's son. So, that, that'll give you an indication of what Holly Rowe thinks on that. But also, Holly Rowe and Maria are roommates. Have roommates, you know, work together. They're road dogs. <laughs> I mean, just some, some of like that. And I'm, be a little biased because I know Holly Roller personally from time to the final four. So call me on that too as well. So whatever. But what Nichols. What do we want any type of what do we what, what do we what do you guys want for her? Any type of consequences or is she got she's no longer part of the NBA finals this season. Y'all okay with that or y'all think there should be more? I mean I don't want to see folks lose their job. Yeah. You know, I mean, you want to give her a lesser role because if it was, if it is in her contract to work the finals, she has a gripe with ESPN. Okay, yeah. that's a contractual detail that has to be worked out with ESPN. Now, her her side eye to Maria getting the job because of who she is, you know, and cultural diversity, all that kind of stuff. You know, I got massive problems with that comment. Yeah, but I think she said that because she thought she wasn't being recorded, so she was speaking the truth, her truth. You know, yeah. she was just like being honest. So her true color was shown right there. But in terms of contract, if that is in her contract, 
then she needs to go at ESPN about that particular point. But the side eye toward Maria. Maria don't make the rules. She you just, know, yeah, that, that, <laughs> hey, don't hate on Maria for ESPN not on their contract with you. That, right. that, you know, she, if she kept it at that, she we'd be fine. fine. Yeah, but she didn't keep it at that. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where we mm-hmm. are. You know, the old saying goes, there's three types of people that tell you the truth. Kids, angry people, drunk people. And she might fall into that angry category when she got recorded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the truth comes out when some folks are angry. Mm-hmm. Tamer, since I put you on the spot and it's already been put on this live stream here, when do you head out? Uh, Next week. So, And, and what do you want to do? What's your job duties? I'm going to be working Tokyo tonight on Peacock. So if you guys aren't signed up and work, uh, have the streaming app Peacock, it is a streaming app from NBC. Uh, my show is Tokyo tonight. So that's going to be my baby while I'm there. And I will just be coming up with content and editing for that show. Um, it's going to, gosh, I don't have my notes in front of me right now, but. It's going to be airing, I think, from 7.30 to 12.30 here because, you know, Tokyo, right now it's night here, but over there it's early morning almost, so it's kind of switch swap. So we'll be working midnight, but it'll be morning in Tokyo, so you'll want to catch that at the nighttime here. Um, And it's basically going to be like a recap of the day before or prior events uh, early in the day. And Carrie Champion and uh, Kenny... Burgess, God, let me not say his name incorrectly, uh, but I know his name is Kenny. They're going to be uh, two of the hosts for the show, so hopefully next week when I get in, uh, Harry is supposed, they're both supposed to be in the studio before they head out to Tokyo, um, so we'll be working with them to kind of come up with story ideas, and you know, I'm all for women in sports, so <laughs> I told my producer and they were like, oh, great. You'll go well with Kiri because she's already talking about how she wants to talk about the female athletes. And they do have a show called On Her Turf. And I was hoping I was picked for that one. But my producer said he'll give me the capability to kind of display my passion for women in sports on Tokyo tonight. So we shall see. Was it Tamer? Is it Kenny Maine? That you're yes. With yeah. <laughs> I have it in my notes. I'm so sorry, y'all. No, no, no. Tell, tell him, if you will, if you remember, just tell him Willie Gibson said hello. We'll and do. look out. He's a good guy. Very good guy. Good, very good friend of mine. Tamer, is, is this you behind the camera or in front of the camera? I will be behind the camera. But, okay. you know, four years from now, that might change. And hmm. I like okay. the camera. So, we'll see. Um, I'm super excited, nevertheless, and... This is going to be a major uh, resume booster. <laughs> oh, no doubt. I'm proud of you. Yeah. And I, I guess I'll go ahead and spend the money to get Peacock for, for oh, a month. It's free. it's free. So you just signed. What? what do you mean free? For the Olympics? Uh, So I, I signed up and, you know, I log on and they have some streaming apps. They have some uh, movies and shows already on there. Okay. So it's free for a month, Andy? I think they probably have like the free trial, like a lot of the streaming platforms. I know it's free if you have Xfinity. Um, it's well, free if you have that. Well, no, they have, then, they have, they have like tiers because I have Peacock mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. You okay. Know, it's a free tier, then it's uh, I think a four ninety nine tier, and then a seven ninety nine tier. Right. You get a little bit more yeah. things like that. So. Yeah. Okay, Tamer. You let me know 
which tier you're going to be on. And if I got to spend some money, I'll spend some money. Okay. I'm, I'm going to learn more. Uh, I, I mean, I know mostly everything. I know it's on Peacock. I think it's streaming on Monday through Saturday, I think 7.30 to 12.30 or somewhere. I, that might be Tokyo time. Again, I don't have my notes right here, but once I know informa- more information, I'll definitely let you know. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I mean, I'm kind of nervous, but that's, <laughs> hey, that's all right. They're treating me like I'm a full-time employee. So I love it. I'm not going to So lie. the nerves are just some because you haven't done it yet. That's all. Just ride it out. And I'm nervous because I'm excited. But you're excited. and Be prepared. As long as you're prepared, you'll be fine. That's, hey, all of us still get nervous. So that's part of, that means you still, you still have passion for your job. Yep. You know, so yeah, just be prepared. You'll be fine. But hey, I got you. You know, if I got to spend some money on it, I got you on that too. So don't sweat that. So just when you do come back to H-Town, don't forget me. <laughs> oh my God, you okay. always. Yeah. You we know. need to update the Pod Slime Jam uh, bio. So yeah, just don't forget <laughs> us little people. Mr. Gibson. Yes, sir. You have some football knowledge you can share with us, sir? About yeah. uh, some dude, number one pick in a, in a class of 21, committing to a, the Ohio State University. Oh, yeah, Mr. JT. Yes, sir. Defensive end from Seattle, uh, Bellevue, Bellevue, Washington. And it's, a, it's a pipeline coming this way now from the, from the Pacific Northwest. He's the uh, third player from that school, actually, Eastside Catholic, to uh, sign with Ohio State. Uh, signed with Ohio State over Oregon, Washington, uh, USC. Pac-12 and, uh, schools, Will. Let's say Pac-12 yeah, schools. Pac-12. Oh, well, it was easy. It's, it's just funner to name them individually. He uh, he took a visit to Ohio State about two weeks ago and canceled his Alabama visit the next day. So, mm-hmm. and uh, Sunday, uh, July 4th, he announced that he will be uh, bringing his talents to Columbus, Ohio and the Ohio State University. And playing this fall, right? Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because he's, yeah, he's one of the late commitments. Yeah. He's. Yes. Yeah. And the he's top, here. the top pick in the class. The top pick in the class. He's oh, here. Oh boy, boy. Well, who do, do the Buckeyes have? Someone on staff from Bellevue. No. Um. G. Scott Jr. Um, is the first uh, commit that came here two years ago, a wide receiver. Uh, his story is his dad actually has a phenomenal story. His dad was uh, homeless, and um, uh, one of the Seattle Seahawks offensive linemen, Rob Sims, who was a, for- a former Buckeye, mm-hmm. uh, took took him in, took him in, uh, heard his story. You know, he was single dad raising his sons, and so Rob you know, took care of him. You know, put got him. You know, helped him with his business, got him on his feet, and so that kind of developed that rapport and that that Buckeye love, if you will. So when his son uh, became a, a All American football talent, he had that in with Ohio State. So he signed his son signed with Ohio State. Um, uh, there's another kid, Anigua. Uh, I can't say pronounce his name properly. So uh, wide receiver also signed with Ohio State from that same school. And now we have the, the defensive end, the number one defensive end, or player in the country for 2021 from Eastside Catholic in Bellevue, Washington, is, is here at Ohio State as well. So that opening relationship with uh, G. Scott Sr. and uh, former Buckeye Rob Sims is kind of what started 
the, the, the pipeline, if you will, from the Pacific Northwest to uh, the banks of the Olentangy River. Well, I tell you. Yes, sir. Ohio State getting folks from Pac-12 schools, man. And sir. It, 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 it hurts Pac-12. It, yeah. it hurts. It hurts. It hurt Washington. You know, five-star. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Twist the nice one, Will. Go ahead. And by the way, uh, September 11th, the home opener in the horseshoe with full capacity is uh, Ohio State versus the Oregon Ducks. Mm. Boy. Big new kickoff on Fox, 9 a.m. on the West Coast. Come through. Pull up. Boy, <laughs> boy, boy. Mm. Yes, sir. Well, I, I wish Andy and I had had uh, a football team in town to, to talk about Oh, in a positive light, but we don't. Well, the, there, there is a few football teams to talk about, not in a positive way. Well, I said, yeah, in a positive <laughs> light. Yeah, we, we can talk about them all day long, but not, not in a positive light. Yeah, so. I'll go, I'll go with the <coughs> well, there's, there's, I'll go with the UH football team. They're an interesting they're going to be interesting to watch this season just in terms of where they are. Third year under Dana Holgerson. The schedule, they should they should have them. Non-conference schedule is trash. Exactly. They should have. <laughs> um, they should get up there and wins um, just in terms of their schedule. I think a lot of people are saying this might be a break, break or make year for Dana Holgerson, which is, it's crazy. He's already spent three seasons with, or he's about to enter his third season with the program, so. I know, I know they have a lot of buzz with their uh, incoming new quarterback. Um, his name's Maddox Cop. who was three-star recruit, actually played here in St. Thomas. Um, he's getting a lot of buzz, so I, I doubt he plays this season unless something happens to Clayton Toon and, and uh, the other quarterback they have behind them. But there's something to keep your eye on. <laughs> but yeah, nowhere near, nowhere near the, the Power 5 school. Oh, yes. And I've, I've heard Red that one of the strengths of the, the Cougs will be the defensive line, the depth yeah. and the talent of the, the, the defensive line. Okay, Will, yes, here's the Cougs' non-conference schedule, football schedule. Opener, Texas Tech. That's a good one. That's a NRG good one. Stadium. Okay. At NRG 4th. Stadium. Okay. September 4th, ESPN, 6 p.m. kickoff. Okay. Next, at Rice. Hmm. After that, Grambling. Oh, wow. Okay. And then the last non-conference game will be in November at UConn. Hmm. Rice, Grambling, UConn. Yeah, we're not allowed to play um, FCS schools in the Big Ten. So that Grambling is kind of interesting. Hmm. I'll just say that. Um, and yeah. the, the theme of, of the Grambling game is celebrating – 75 years of Houston athletics. That's some wow. Saturday, September 18th. Be on ESPN plus. Okay. Um, Grambling. Hmm. I'm going to toss this rock at my fellow U of H alums. Grambling alums travel better than U of H alums. Hmm. Okay. They, they have. So there might be 50-50, if not a few more fans of the G-men inside TDECU Stadium, Van Coogs. Mm-hmm. If I'm wrong, prove it. So you face the lunch, prove it, prove it. You know, because oh. I'm not scared to speak the truth, you know. Prove it. 
It's interesting that they chose that game. I think the Rice game would have been a better fit to celebrate, you know, 75 years at. But it's but, it, but that, that game's at Rice, though. So Rice has a home game mm, true, this year. True, true. It's on the CBS Sports Network. But I'm kind of curious to see how much Red will go to Rice. You know, it's in yeah. town. So, you know. I mean, last, last season, and this, this probably has more to do with BYU fans, but when BYU played U of H here, that stadium was probably 60-40 BYU fans. Um, Say it again. Say that one more time. 60-40 BYU fans. I mean, it got a lot. Like, and, and where was that gameplay? Where was the gameplay? It was at TDCU Stadium. In it Houston, was, right? The, the kickoff was at, yeah, it was in Houston. The kickoff was at 8.30 at night, Houston time. So that game didn't end until past midnight. And it was 60-40 BYU fans. There was a lot of blue in the crowd and... Obviously, Zach, Zach Wilson, um, I got to see him play just the show he put on. But let me tell you, in the middle of COVID, so first of all, they were only at 25% capacity to begin with. And BYU showed out, and they filled up that section where the BYU players, the tunnel out of their tunnel. And when BYU won, my God, it was super – 25% capacity, it sounded like it was a home game for BYU. I'll just leave it at that. Tamer, you're a UVH. Alum, you you so, seen the apathy? I'm so wait, I'm so I'm so dead at I'm at. Say it again. I'm so dead at Andy. I'm so dead at Andy answering your sarcastic question. He said <laughs> he said at TDCU, and you said that was here in Houston, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we. Because I'm a U.S. alum. I'm proud of my school. Okay? Proud. But that pride also extends to calling out the truth and holding folks accountable. We don't support football. Heck, before Kevin Sampson got there at basketball, Mm -hmm. we didn't support basketball. Yeah. What did they have to do before uh, when Kevin Sampson first took over? They had to have the going into the student centers, into classrooms with the bullhorns and trying to convince people to show up. The apathy is real. The apathy, there, there is a huge reason why basketball at UV fell into the abyss after Five Sam Jam, after Pat Foster. Hell, going even, you know, that's not as far back. And one of the reasons is because of the apathy from the alums, fans, and the administration. Starts at the top. So, you know, things that, and, and let me say this also. I mean, you can't, ex- you can't expect Go ahead, people Tamer. to show up when you're losing. You, oh, I yeah, I can. You can't expect <laughs> yeah. people to show up when you're not winning. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I can in college. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. If you're, if you're an alum, when yeah, you, I can. When you, when, you go, when you go 3 and 11 in a season, nobody wants to come out and watch football. It's hot out there, and you're going to lose. What's the point? See, see, Will. Yes, yeah, that, that that mindset is different in Ohio. Isn't it? <laughs> Listen, it's 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 one hundred and three thousand in the shoe every Saturday, every Saturday. Win or lose, win or snow, lose, rain, heat. Listen, they're they out here for real. There have been numerous home games at U of H where there are more fans at a high school football game. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's been that way for years. 
Oh, it's high school football is big in Texas. High school it's football is big in Texas. It sure is. It's it's big in Texas. It's it's king, of course. Mm-hmm. But U of H football, if you want to be one of the big boys, you need to promote like a big boy, play like a big boy, support your team like a big boy. I, I tried to let long, it go. Those go three ahead, things haven't happened. I, I tried to let it go because I heard Andy say this, and I was like, I don't want to do this. Andy, do Andy, you cover you cover uh, U of H football. Mm. Go, ahead, go, ahead. go ahead, Will. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, I said I don't want to do you this, but he said, he said hold the on, buzz, hold on. He said he said the buzz about a three star recruit. I'm like, yeah, buzz <laughs> about a three star recruit. Are you exactly. what? <laughs> buzz. What that's buzz? that's where the UH program is right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ed wow. Oliver was UH's only five star recruit, right, Andy? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. <laughs> well, and the reason Ed, a big reason Ed chose UH was because of one his brother, and then UH hired his high school coach, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Close shenanigans going down. Okay. That's business, Will. That's business. Business. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's business. Yes, sir. And at the time, U of H, they were at a much better position they are now. Yes. But U of H is right now a men's basketball school. Oh, by far. No question. They already, they're, they, have they not, they've already, or they're planning on sending out. Every game. Yeah. Season tickets, 100% capacity. Yeah. And yeah, Ed Oliver, his first year at Houston was in 2016. I, I think that was coming off the heels of that. Uh, no, 2014 was when they beat FSU in in Atlanta, right? Or the Peach Bowl, right? Or the 2014 season. So I'm a little confused with when if that was in 2015. Well, it was around that time, and that was when they had like their best. They were riding high years, certainly. Tom, in the- Tom Herman. You know, then Tom mm-hmm. Herbert took the money and went to Texas. Yeah. And, and here it is. After that Peach Bowl, Florida, Florida State hasn't been the same. Mm-hmm. Tom Herman went to Texas. He ain't been the same. UH I mean, football has not been the same. Houston was, I think, the year the year after they, they beat Florida State, that's when they beat Oklahoma to, to open the season. I think they were, like, number three in the country. Yep, and, and riding high, and then they, laid, were, they were undefeated and laid an egg against. I, I I can't remember if it was Navy or SMU or Memphis. It was one of those. Yeah, three. One of those three, a team they had and, no business losing to. Mm-hmm. And then they struggled, and then they still ended up beating Lamar Jackson's uh, Louisville Cardinals. Team. Yep. Yeah. And then they followed up by losing to another team. I think the one of the t- I think they lost to SMU the first time, and then. They beat Lamar Jackson's Cardinals, and then they lost to Navy. Or I might, I'm, I know, I know the big loss was to to the Navy to the Navy team because they had no business losing that game. They couldn't stop their right. their triple option attack that, at all. That, that hasn't changed yet. Yeah. Uh, but the 2015 season, they went 13 and one, and they won the Peach Bowl. That mm-hmm. was Tom Herman's first year. Second Andy, year. You cover your base. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Tamer. Go ahead. I was going to say, just Andy, I know we're talking about the past, but you've been covering football and, you know, the practices and things. What do you see that may, 
will make you know U of H football a little different this year? Is it talent? Um, do you think third year is the charm for Donna Holgerson? What do you think it will be? For Dana Holgerson's sake, I hope third year is the charm. Um, I mean, there's not much you can say, especially. I guess you can discount last year as an aberration season just the way everything ended up like they didn't they had their first months of the season postponed and canceled they didn't play a game until October and then once they finally did get their season started I think they only played like six weeks before they had their own COVID issues so I mean their second year that was a disaster in terms of just everything stopping and going and not knowing when to play um but yeah I think a lot of the pressure's on Dana Hogerson to especially when you mentioned that conference schedule I mean at worst, they should be three and one with the loss coming to Texas Tech. They yep. should beat Rice. They should beat Grambling. They should beat UConn. And then the American Athletic Conference. I mean, you got Cincinnati at the top. UCF always has a good program. Memphis is giving them struggles and SMU. But, I mean, they should. A lot. <laughs> they shouldn't. <laughs> they, and here's the thing they're competitive in most of those games. Like, don't. At least th- their problem is they can't put together an entire game, especially towards the beginning of the season. That's something that, that's happened with Dana Hogerson teams. And on his first year here in 2019 was just – both of his seasons have been weird because in 2019, De'Ara King just um, – that was the year he redshirted and you know supposedly was going to come back 2020 and then decided to go to Miami. Um, and then last year, COVID – Hopefully there's no distractions for Dana Holgerson, but I think if they have another bad season, they should be in the hot seat. And I know they signed him to that huge contract, so who knows what, what happens if they have another bad season. How are you so certain that they will be Grambling? Grambling is a swept championship team. <laughs> because, <laughs> because, because, that's, because that's why. Because UH is – because UH, yeah, they should. They struggle, yeah, they struggle to, and lose to Grambling, they need to fire Holgerson right after the game. Yeah, just, just period. Point blank. I mean, period. They, need to, they need to clean out staff. Point point you blank. Call, period. You guys hold your hold your thoughts. When that game happens, make sure I'm back on the show. Because if they lose, I just want to <laughs> be able to say I told y'all so. Because I have faith in Grambling, and Grambling has some good star players. And because it is the swag, yes, the American Athletic Conference, including U of A, should be able to be Grambling. But you can never be too certain. So if Grambling wins that game. Just make sure y'all invite me back. Oh, um, yeah, you can feel free to come back. But trust me, trust me. If that game is close, if that game less than 21, that will say a lot more about you than does about Graham. I mean, Chris, you can tell me about this. If Houston played Sam Houston State and they struggled against them, then Holgerson Problem. should Problem. be fired. <laughs> yeah. And let me say this. I'm showing my age. And – if he's still tuned in, uh, AKSV, the Wildcat, tuned in on YouTube. If there are times, you know, I'll go back to Coach Yeoman, so I'm going back a long way. Ooh, U.S. football does not lose to Rice in football. Mm-hmm. Period. Period. So if they struggle, lose to Rice, they need to go. Okay, I mean, this is where the program expectations – Expectations. U of H does not lose to Rice in football. U of H doesn't lose to them in basketball. Those things have happened. And when they did, it was a bad year for U of H athletics. That's where the program is. Those things 
do not happen at U of H. Now, if they lose, I'm not saying they can't because I have no faith in Hogerson. None. Prove me Zero. wrong. They, they could lose to Rice. They could. But if they do, Dan needs to, he, he, he needs to go. Period. He needs we, to go. We're talking about non-conference, but it's conference games that matter. So they could go 4 and over yeah. non-conference, but if they go 3 and 11 True. or – or or one of the tw- and one or fifteen in conference, then he still needs to go. Oh no! If if they, Andy, Tamer, President Couture said, folks, he has fired coaches to go eight and four, right? Yep. Okay. That's what they said after they fired Applewhite. I don't see them going eight and four this year because the conference they're not Me as either. good as other teams in conference. No. <laughs> so, no, be- sir. Stick to your guns, then. Will I mean, outsider, Mister Ohio. This is enlightening. I've heard <laughs> they need they can be competitive. I like how he's just I'm like, I, I, competitive. What? <laughs> Eight and four. What? Will you? Just, you yeah, Will you covering the Ohio State? You're covering a national power. You can't relate you're to so this, quiet. this mediocrity. You can't relate to this substandard garbage that we you know, have been through all. for years. At all, I'm like eight and four. What is that? Eight and four. What? What? Competitive. So, no. so yeah, they have. Listen, if we go, if if State goes ten and two, it's a problem. We have a problem which, at ten and two. Which leads me to this, and your rival, who, Michigan, eighteen out of twenty. But go ahead. Well, it's not true because that's not that's not a rivalry, but yeah. it's a rivalry to Big Blue. It's to you know still. How long is Harbaugh going to be in Michigan? You know what? Here's the thing. He's there as long. He's in th- well, here's, here's the thing. He's there until they can find another Michigan man because they are so pompous and arrogant. Only a Michigan man can leave Michigan. He was the last one because they went outside and got Rich Rodriguez. And had they given him a little more time, maybe one more year, he was on his way to doing something, but they panicked. After three years and got him out of there. And then they brought in a Michigan man, Brady Holt. And he couldn't get it done. So then at this time, Harbaugh, a Michigan man. And I'm like, this is year seven. He hasn't won. Not only has he never won the Big Ten Conference, he hasn't won the Eastern Division of the Big Ten. In six seasons. He's never beat Ohio State. He's never won a division. He's never appeared in the Big Ten Championship game. But yet, he'll keep his job because there's not another Michigan man ready. Now, I will say this. They will write the check, and and I've heard rumblings, and this is, you know, AAC-related. They are, if he doesn't, well, when he doesn't beat Ohio State this year, again, uh, Luke Fickle is going to be number one on the list. Mm Mm-hmm. Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> they they got to come see us to right the ship. Now, and and this is the thing about fans in all seriousness. People, you know, we I talked about this with a colleague, and you have people here about he's a Buckeye. He's a Buckeye. He can't do that. Listen, man. <laughs> he's a Buckeye. Yes, he graduated from the Ohio State University. Absolutely. But if Michigan writes the check, and, I'll be and a it, Buckeye catching checks in right. Harbor. That's right. It, it, it's going clear. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we got a, a question 
from a, from Coach Jackson on via YouTube. Jaden Jackson, defensive tackle, class of twenty three. Will mm-hmm. as a he's in uh, Alabama. Okay. Young man is six one, two eighty five. Okay. Wow. Six one two eighty five, and he's got he's a soft. He got an offer from a Florida State and some some, some big time schools. Mm-hmm. But I'll just say this: he's in Alabama. If Alabama wants him, mm-hmm. he going to Alabama. <laughs> okay, so somebody to keep in mind. But that's a big young man. The six I, one. I can, the six yeah. one presents an issue for me. A defensive tackle, six one, at at again, no disrespect, but at Ohio State, <laughs> I don't see a six one defensive tackle. I don't. He's he's very junior six, though. Four. Yeah, yeah. You now know. if he grows, if he gets the six four two eighty five, six four three hundred, yeah, let's talk. But. Not to be snobbish and or pompous or arrogant, but six one two eighty five. That's not gonna cut it up here. Uh, he can, he can push the he can push the pocket though. Well, he should be able to collapse the pocket right from the from the inside. Possibly, yeah. He's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty you know, good. he's picking up interest from Texas A and M, Tennessee, Oklahoma. Uh, looks like he got off from Michigan back in February. Great. So, yeah. Wow, my man plays baseball too. That's what's like. Or something like, ooh, boy. Hmm. Hey, what's the young man? Well, don't get me wrong. No disrespect. I I don't, but I just, Ohio State has a pro. I don't want to say they they have a a player, a look, a certain player. That yeah, they're they looking a, for. They have a template that yeah. they look. Yeah. Thank you. And, so, and that, that doesn't fit. And again, I, I wish the young man well. And I, I just find that, that balancing, you know, the college kids, the high school kids, the college kids, you know, I don't mean to criticize or be critical. Sometimes I have to be. We, you know, that's the nature of what we do. But yeah, I mean, he has a lot of, of uh, schools after, after him. Um, you said Tennessee, Oklahoma. Like I said in the state of Alabama, Nick Saban, you know, sends the sends the jet. You got to go. So, Chris, let, let me go back to U of H and, and their season. I just looked at their. I mean, really, if they don't win eight games, Hogerson should be in the hot seat. I mean, they're not going to play Cincinnati. They're not going to play UCF in the in the conference games. Eight, they should eight wins, and Willie, you're gonna eight wins. Okay, not gonna wow. And they don't win eight games. Your your rationale is is legit. So let's do it right now. Conference, Navy, home game, mm-hmm. should be a win. win. Yep. Okay, at Tulsa, a win should be a win. At Tulane, I don't see that. They're not gonna win both of those games. Well, yeah, they they probably not, no, but they should. No, they no, should win. Not. They should win all those three games. Okay, okay, no. okay. No, I'm just saying the road games at Tulsa, at Tulane. Tulane has a better coach. Tulane has a way better coach. Coach What's Fritz is better name? coach. Uh, coach Fritz, Fritz is better yeah. coach. 
He's a better yeah, coach than Dame. Sure. Period. For okay, sure. let's just say let's go two and one of the first three. Two and one. You said Tulsa. Tulane. 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 Oh, Tulsa. You, but you mentioned Tulsa as one of those games, right? Right. Mm-hmm. At at Tulsa. At Tulane. Yeah, Tulsa comes to the shoe this year. Get that check. Yeah, yeah it's the check game. Yeah, exactly. You. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Okay, and let me say this too. Navy game is on a Saturday. At Tulsa, the following week is on a Friday. At Tulane, week after is on a Thursday. Yeah, but at Tulane games always on a Thursday. <laughs> so that, that's three games in less than two weeks. I don't True. see them winning all three of those games. Okay, then they got a bye week. They have homecoming against ECU. That should be a blowout. That, that should be a win. ECU hasn't been the same since they fired Ruffin McNeil. Um, following that, home game versus SMU. That one, uh, they'll probably lose. <laughs> they haven't beaten SMU the past yeah, couple of seasons. Yeah, exactly. I was about to okay, say, they so, haven't beaten SMU in years. So that's three and two in conference. Okay? Then, at USF. Should be a win. Okay, that's four and two in conference. So that's four and two plus three and one non-conference. That's seven wins. Mm-hmm. Okay? At Temple. Should be a win. Okay. So that's five, right? That's five conference wins. so confident, dude. <laughs> oh, I'm not confident. I'm saying this is what they should do. I'm, and then wrap-up conference play, home last game, home game, senior day, home against Memphis. Memphis. They haven't been able to beat Memphis the last couple of seasons. And they were getting trounced by them last season, and then they made that comeback just to lose to, at a, in the last second field goal. But, yeah, honestly, who do they end the season with, Chris? At UConn. At UConn, yep. So that should be a win. That's a non-conference game. But, yeah, honestly, the only games they should lose and not be. You, you got them you got them five and three. Critique. Yeah, I mean, SMU and Memphis should be the only games where they shouldn't win. Or you could okay. excuse them. Like you mentioned, that, that stretch where they play three games in a, in a span in a, like a two-week stretch around that time. Right. Mm-hmm. I could see that playing a factor, but. So you're looking at five and three. You're leaning towards six and two in conference. Yeah, I mean th- those should be the only games they lose: SMU and Memphis. And Memphis. Okay, mm-hmm. so six and two conference, three and one non-conference. That's nine wins. <laughs> That's nine wins. Be the weakest nine wins in a while. But you win. You play. You win the games. You put on your schedule. Now mm-hmm. they play Cincinnati in the. Conference championship game and get blasted. <laughs> you know. I do say they made it. And here's the thing with Dana Hogerson and during his time here, they've been bad or they haven't been able to win the big games. They haven't been able to beat any good teams, but they've relatively taken care of business against teams with sub 500 records. So that's why that's what I'm basing it off of. They should. Oh, yeah. was, they should be at least in the eight win mark. Um, and I want to say, uh, Vegas. What do you guys think was a, was a better head coach, Applewhite or Hogerson? Because if you ask they're, me, I'm going to go they're, Applewhite. They're both. They're both sorry. <laughs> <laughs> say what you at said. Least, at least, yeah. At least Applewhite. No major major kid recruit conference games that mattered. Made major pissed off Ed Oliver and messed up yeah. the program. No, yeah, no, 
that jacket fiasco <laughs> on TV. That that was that was an embarrassment, you know. And folks thought Major's connections I mean, in high the school. Man was on his way. He was on his way out the door that that season. I don't think he really cared. <laughs> Dude, that's an excuse. You know, yeah, it, it does excuse it. And Dana Hogerson, he he was hired. He's getting well paid. Yeah, they paid him significant okay. money. A lot of money. They paid him too high. much. To be I, I think he's the highest paid coach in the conference. I think that still remains true. He's got to deliver. He has to deliver. Now, based on the non-conference, they got three winnable non-conference games. Doesn't mean they're going to win those three winnable games. He needs to do that. He has a chance at at least five winnable conference games. So he could get those eight wins, which Will laughs at. But, you know, when you when you struggle here in H-Town, you, you get it where you can. I mean, Ohio State gets eight wins by Halloween. In, yeah, in, in conference. Yeah. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, yeah. But, yeah, Dana has to – he's got to save his job this year. Winning eight games. Minimum, in my opinion. Oh, and but, to that point, Chris, you talked about ahead. Tulsa. Uh, Ohio State's uh, writing a check for $1.1 million to Tulsa to come in here on September 18th. Yeah. And see, U of H, I think, is writing a check to play UConn. Hmm. I hmm. think, I mean, because UConn is, you know, they don't have a conference. They're independent. Yeah. Why in the hell U of H is doing that at UConn in November? Ooh. Why? Yeah, that's Why? the last game of the season. Last game of the season. Why are you doing that? And eleven forty. You better win. Kickoff. Yeah. Eleven a.m. kickoff. Eleven a.m. kickoff on CBS Sports Networks. Maybe CBS. The money they get from CBS Sports Network will help foot foot the bill with, for UConn. But when I saw that, when I was announced, I was like, "Why? Why? Why?" <laughs> that to me is you're trying to win a game. You're trying to add pad your stats. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So, but okay. If they win, Mr. Will looks so bored. We should change the subject. No, 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 no. <laughs> he's, he's no, no. Yeah. Chris, I, Chris, I want to go. They're paying him twenty. They gave him a twenty million dollar contract, five years. So he's getting paid four million each season, and for the first two years, they haven't won more than four games. Yeah. So, so he good. needs to be on the clock. He needs to be on the clock this year. Is the seat the seat should be warm and needs to heat up, but based on that schedule, yeah, he's he's got some games that he can get eight wins. If he let him get eight wins out of this schedule, he needs to be gone. He he needs to be gone. All right, one at a time. Let's start with Tamer, big time peacock <laughs> star, soon to be. How can folks find you on the internet? And we'll close it out one by one. Okay, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at T Night Sports. That's T K N I G H Sports. Subscribe to my YouTube channel under Tamer Knight. Uh, you can also find it under The Night Agenda. Uh, you can visit www.thenightagenda.com. Thank you, Chris. Uh, and-
Andy and Will for having me. It's usually always like this. I'm the only girl. I enjoy it sometimes. Well, I had another woman I asked if she couldn't make it, so it might be different sometimes. Don't don't sweat it, you know. But thank you for, for taking time to join us. And and uh, if your schedule permits, we'll have you on again. So don't worry about that either. Because you, you know, I, I know how to reach you. So, you know, so don't worry about that. Andy, how can folks find you on the internet? Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. And Pot Slime Jamma on the screen. Me and Dayon Dunlap just recorded a new episode that came out today in the morning. So it's on Spotify, Apple. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And, you know, last week was a Quentin Grimes heavy show. This time we focus on Justin Gorham, Dejan Giroux. They had, had a couple of workouts this past week. And then we also talked a little bit more about the NIL rules. Um, I actually didn't know this, Chris. Uh, Robbie Armbrester already has a, a partnership with, uh, with, I'm slipping the name of the company, but um, yeah, he already has an NIL partnership. So that, that was interesting for me. Like, yeah, real good for him. He hasn't set foot on the court and he already has a deal, so he's on the right step. And um, we talked a little bit about uh, Kendrick Davis and Tyson Etienne, who withdrew their name from the NBA draft, so they're going to stay in the conference. Um, check that out. Dayon and I um, just came out. The new episode came out today in the morning, so Spotify podcast. And Will, how can folks find and you? And I have not forgotten about my pod set with JAMA, folks. Mm-hmm. As soon as I return from Connecticut, I will be back with you guys. Thanks, you cut off. Yeah, she cut off. She's she's on the road. She's traveling mm-hmm. right now, so we know we're trying to be fancy and high tech. <laughs> but Will, how can folks find you on social media? Appreciate the opportunity as always. Very eye opening, literally experienced tonight talking about the <laughs> football, your beach football. But um, you can always uh, reach out to me social media wise, Twitter. Instagram at uh, Will Gibson Seven, uh, Facebook the Will Knows uh, Facebook page Will Knows Podcast, and uh, also I'm gonna throw a little monkey wrench uh, at an additional uh, layer of uh, uh, accountability. WTG Sports, www.wtgsports.com. Uh, reach out to me there and uh, love to interact. Cool. Sorry, guys. I was saying I didn't forget about my folks over at Pod Sam Pajama, Annie, Dayon. Justin, all of you guys, as soon as I return from Connecticut, I will be rejoining you guys. I know a lot these past couple of weeks, but I'm still rooting for all of you and good luck to all of y'all on these next couple of weeks. And I will be back. Yeah. Safe travels to you, Tamer. I know you'll do a good job. Be prepared and be a sponge as well. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Thank you to each of my panelists, colleagues, friends for participating in the Talking Sports live stream. Uh, we got more comments today, so that's, that's a positive going forward. Uh, we'll talk. We got NBA draft getting closer. We'll talk more of that in next week's show, and, and we'll try to work out a schedule for when the next show will be. Follow me on Twitter at the. HR Review, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram, website, thehrr.com, as well as HoustonRoundBallReview.com. I got my deals with ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, or Hulu. You can sign up via the links posted on my site. Same thing with Fanatics. 
go to my website, hr.com, and I'm an affiliate of those co corporations. Got to spread those wings, man, get those revenue streams lined up and, and rolling. Mm -hmm. so, so do that. To my folks on YouTube, I'm almost at 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. So thank you very much for that. Ooh, yeah. so, Got to get you there. So, yeah. uh, so appreciate that. So thank you very much for doing this, joining me. And as football season approaches, we will continue talking more football. Oh, man. Yeah, we should so, talk more U of H football. There's a lot of hot takes. So oh, yeah. <laughs> we probably doesn't want to hear about U of H. <laughs> Let me well, tell you, talk. it's about to start. Uh, I'm, interested, I'm interested because first, when I joined the Cougar in 2019, I, it was past the training camp. Like I joined in the middle of the season. And then last year, COVID, I, I completely ravaged any type of coverage you could in person. So I'm excited to to be completely aware and see how, how they go from training camp into the season. Cause I haven't been able to do that for football yet. So I'm excited for that. And I, and I think I know at least for basketball, and I'm assuming it's going to be the same for football is that there will be more media availability in person. Mm -hmm. for yeah. They're doing hundred percent entire so, athletics. So all that. So it'd be good to interact with people face to face. So yeah. it's been a while. Yeah, that's something. Seen, folks. So good. For, looking forward to that. That's something Dayon and I have kind of uh, talked about with uh, Potsdam and Jamma. We're trying to expand it to football coverage with that too, which it's a little iffy. Potsdam and Jamma is a basketball, obviously in homage to Potsdam and Jamma. We're trying to figure something out to cover football too. And like you said, maybe we'll have a show, a live show one of these days. So that'd be, that'd be well, awesome. Well, hey, we can do it. If y'all don't want to do it on that platform, you can do it on this platform. So, mm -hmm. you know, Houston Round Bar View is, is the name, but I can branch out. I know people in all, all levels of sports. I need somebody to help me with baseball because I refuse to talk about baseball. But oh. I don't. We can talk. We can talk. Uh, what's the scandal right now? The the sticky the the pitcher scandal. So yeah, we, mm. we can do. We can talk. I can get somebody to talk about that, and, and some of my female colleagues cover the Astros, so I, I can lean on them for that insight. Yeah. So thank you as always, um, Andy. Before we started, you had mentioned that you were going to be busy this coming week. So how are you looking for your next for next week's live stream? What day is good I, for I, you? I should be good by Friday. Um, actually, let me double check. This is something with community impact. They I have a calendar now to, to organize myself, something I didn't do in college. Um, but yeah, I should be good for Friday. Um, Same time, seven central. Yeah, give me a second just to double check. Yeah, yeah, Friday's good. Friday at well, 7 works. How about you? Yeah, we'll do this. Friday's 8 okay. for me, 7, yeah. Uh, this is the smoothest show. We didn't have any of the gremlins attack our Wi-Fi connection. Well, not as okay. much as before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's see here. Uh, is Ooh, there a potential game, is there a potential NBA game that day, Friday? No, the game 5 is on Saturday. Okay. For next week, so that's, that's interesting. Chris, did you know that the American Athletic Conference is going to have their virtual media day August three through four? Yeah, I, I saw that. I'm I'm still shaking my head, and I'm yeah. Why are they doing it virtually again? See, there we there we go. Right right there. I heard about it April, April or May that they were going to do virtual this year, and not do it in person for football. Because mm -hmm. my question was initially for basketball media day, but as of right now, it seems like they're going to do virtual for basketball as well. So, oh, wow. um, you know, you know how I feel about the American dragging his feet. 
with technology and media platform, things like that. You know how I feel about American on ESPN Plus. So, you know, oh. And I, I'm still trying to get an interview set up through the conference, waiting on that. So mm. hopefully that'll happen, working on some other interviews, waiting on them as well. But we will just do what we can. I think Tamer wanted to do something before she, we close it out here. Yes, ma'am, what do you want to say? Oh, I just wanted to get you guys' pick for game three on Sunday. You got Suns or Milwaukee? Bucks. Bucks, Bucks. win. Bucks win by <laughs> 10. Yeah if, yeah, if there's one for them to win, it's tomorrow or Sunday, rather. So, yeah, the Bucks. Yeah, I agree with I agree with both of y'all. Bucks, and I think they'll win by double digits. Tamer. Yeah, I I got the Bucks winning Game Three. I mean, I want them to win Game Three. I don't want it to be a sweep, but if it happens, it happens. But I'm picking Bucks. All right, so we got, got all of us, all four of us <laughs> picking the Bucks. So that's probably not a good thing. But anyway, <laughs> all right, this was fun. Thank you very much. Will, you learned something about U of H football? I did. So it's a different world, Will. You know, y'all in the Ivy Tower there in the Big Ten and the Ohio State, folks <laughs> like us here in Houston trying to get crumbs. So, you know, we're just trying to be part of a big, big-time football and need the right people in charge to get us to big-time football because right now Houston is not there in football. And that's not even, that's not even mentioning the pro team here. Yeah, that's another they have their issues. Mockery. So, yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to close it out. Tamer keeps trying to pop in and out here. I think we're, we're done, Tamer. But, yes, so we're going to close it out. Thank you very much. Everyone be safe. Tamer, be safe. <laughs> and enjoy your, your trip to Connecticut. And keep in touch. And I will be a pest if I have problems with Pe- Peacock. Okay? So. All righty. All right, y'all take care. Thank you very much. All right. Bye, guys. Bye nice y'all. meeting y'all. Good meeting you.